Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. I am your host, Gene Fleming, recording in my hometown of Fort Payne, Alabama, right here at the base of Lookout Mountain. This is a beautiful place to live with lots of wildlife and lakes and rivers and hiking trails, and there's plenty to do uh, in this community. If you're bored, you're just not looking. You're just not looking. Uh, if you don't know me or if you haven't met me yet, or if you don't work with me in my classes as, uh, one of my clients and, or one of my coworkers, Hey, Deborah, uh, you're getting a shout out again. Uh, if, if you're not connected to me personally, I'm glad you're connected to me by the podcast or by our Facebook group. And our Facebook group covers a couple of countries now and a bunch of states. And there's only about 75 people in that group. But uh, most of you I know personally, or I've known you personally at some point in my life, or even through Facebook. The Papa G Fitness Facebook group has been in existence, oh, I don't know, since about uh, 2015. So that's eight years. May have May have come into existence before that. It started because we were a bunch of budding Fitbit enthusiasts who were trying to figure out a way to hedge our bets against aging and against disease. And I don't mind to use the word uh, disease because the diseases of aging are real. We know it includes heart disease. It includes diabetes. Of course, we've got arthritis in the mix, and we can have uh, pulmonary diseases, um, you know, all kind of circulatory issues that can happen. And, uh, you know, we know, we already know for a fact that one of the best ways to uh, keep ourselves vibrant and relevant is by keeping ourselves as physically healthy as we can. And we choose to do that in part with exercise. And another part of that would be healthy eating. And, uh, you know, we live in a society where we're truly fortunate in that we can just think of something we're hungry for and we can have a vehicle bring that meal to us from some restaurant out in town through DoorDash or or one of the other sources. And, um, you know, so you might say we're a little bit spoiled rotten and to some degree spoiled obese. Uh, We know obesity is an epidemic in the United States with about 30% of all of our 330 plus million citizens in the United States uh, meeting the standard for being obese. And, uh, and, and a large number also have reached into the realm of morbid obesity. I've been there. I did not care for it. I, I got to thinking about it one time before I began my transition to uh, a healthier lifestyle uh, back in 2012, 2013, so on like that. I got to uh, experience what it's like to be carrying around a hundred extra pounds every single day of my life, and that caused back problems. It caused knee problems, and and um, and whatever pain that I had uh, before I reached my fifties, uh, that pain uh, was exacerbated by my obesity, and. Uh, you know, I did my best. I lost a lot of weight. I got in shape. I started running. I started lifting weights. And eventually I moved into becoming a certified personal trainer. And that's what I do as a vocation. I'm going to call it a vocation, not just a hobby. I do it as a vocation because one, I love people. I really like interacting with people. 
And two, I figured it was kind of selfish of me to have gone through the labor of about a three-year process of going from a morbidly obese guy with congestive heart failure, pre-diabetes, chronic pain issues. It would be kind of selfish of me to have gone through, gone through all of that and learned all the lessons I learned during those years of transformation to just sit on that and be healthy and stay home. What You know, I don't know how many people that I may have inspired a little bit or maybe even for a season of time uh, to really examine how they are living, how they are eating, how they are exercising, and how that plays into their personal health scenarios. And I know this uh, of the people that I instruct in person you know, they come back from their doctors and they get things from their doctors that are comments like, uh, good job for getting this exercise we've been talking about for years. Uh, good job. Your heart numbers look good. Your blood pressure looks good. Your blood sugar levels are much improved. And, and in a couple of cases, some people that uh, were able to actually reduce the amount of medicine they were taking for diabetes that is a huge victory. So what are my goals personally? You know, I, uh, my wife and I had a long discussion about this today, and, um, and we were listening to a podcaster who was talking about a five-second rule. I want to explain the five-second rule before I go forward. The five-second rule is a segment of time during which we're making a decision, and most decisions that we make in and out of the day uh, are instantaneous, but there are some that take us about five seconds, and five seconds is really a long period of time when you stop and think about it for us to make up our minds. You know, the feeling, uh, you're thinking about going for a walk this morning for the sake of exercise. If you put that decision off uh, for six or seven seconds, you may not do it. But if during that five-second window, you go ahead and grab your favorite walking shoes and get the process started, chances are you'll go ahead and take the walk. Now, while out there on that walk, uh, you may have had a preset route that you're going to take. Maybe it's one block around your uh, your city block that you're going to take, or, or maybe it's like here, uh, you know, I go out and walk the golf course or the walk, walk my neighborhood streets. Um, Maybe in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Gene, you need to go for a walk today. You need to get some exercise. You need to get out of the house. Uh, you need some fresh air. You need a little sunshine. I may get to that point and say, okay, well, I've got my shoes on already, so it's just grab a jacket and a hat and go. But then when I'm doing the walk, you know, uh, walking can be boring. I'll be the first to say that because... You know, I've seen this lake out here from every angle at least a thousand times. And um, occasionally I see something new in the wildlife department, you know, something I haven't seen before. Maybe a migratory bird, something like that. But uh, while I'm out there walking, you know, the lazy part of me says, OK, I'm going to go for a walk, but I'm only I'm only going to do one big lap around the lake and and then come on back home and. That'll be a good 15 minutes of exercise, and that'll be enough. But I reach a certain point where I'm not tired. 
I, I'm not feeling like uh, it's too hot, it's too cold. Uh, I just want to go home. Um, there's something else I'd rather do. But if I get to that point where I've entered that five-second window of decision, perhaps I'll choose to go ahead and walk another half mile or maybe another mile. And then when I get to the end of that new goal that I've set, maybe I will scratch my head and say, well, you know, I'm still not very tired. Uh, my feet don't hurt. My hips feel pretty good. My back's not aching. Uh, my attitude's good. <clears throat> Today seems like a three-mile day. and But I need to make that decision in that five-second window because if I'll go ahead and commit, let's just say that when I'm making this loop, I have to pass by my house. Well, if I'll make that decision and keep walking past my house uh, during that five-second window, then I got to turn around and go back to the house. So I will go ahead and walk that third mile. Uh, what's the deal with three miles? Well, for those of us that run, it's about the distance of a 5K. Uh, it's about an hour-long total walk for the day. Uh, since the beginning of the conception of pushing 60 aside, I've been a huge advocate of walking as the most basic and fundamental form of exercise. Uh, we've been doing it since we quit crawling, and, and the goal is to keep us doing it so that we don't end up in the crawling mode again because of old age, physical weakness, lack of range of motion, lack of flexibility, and walking just think about it for a second. When you're walking, it's a good way to work on balance because with every step, you're standing on one foot. You're working on balance. While you're walking, you have to be cognizant of what's in front of you in the way of trip hazards, uh, maybe some loose gravel, maybe a limb that blew out of a tree and is now laying in your path. Um, so this processing thing uh, about staying upright and staying safe. You have to be conscious of traffic that may be coming if you're walking on a paved street like I do. Uh, you know, and then while you're walking, your your brain is taking in tons and tons of information. You know, this tree, that sky, that cloud, the position of the sun, um, you know, any any animal in wildlife, a squirrel, a muskrat, a beaver, a deer, a coyote, uh, a fox, a, a possum, you know, I see these things regularly on my walks, especially ones late in the afternoon or early in the morning. And uh, all of that is stimulation for our brains, um, so much better than television. And especially in the fall of the year here when the leaves are changing, you know, I'm just awestruck by every detail in nature uh, the different hues, the different colors in all of the trees uh, by the species of tree that they are. Some have golden leaves, some have red leaves, and I've got a tree behind me here uh, in my neighbor's yard that its leaves, at uh, when they're at peak foliage change, they're a dark maroon color, and it's just it's just beautiful. So while you're taking in all of this stuff that does not stress us out, um, you're avoiding things that could possibly add to your level of anxiety or stress for the day. Um, one of my number one sources of stress these days is the news. Uh, just every day, the news. And I told one of my classes the other day that I've tried to 
start limiting the amount of news that I watch on television just to the essential bits that I need to get through the day. And that's mostly weather. It's, it's mostly weather. There may be some interesting uh, stories that are on the news about um, somebody does something great in the community or there's a, an event for a charity going on, things like that. I'm interested in that. Um, there may be a little brush by on politics or uh, things like that. But, you know, more and more lately, it seems that the news is just filled with horror stories. And if I watch too much of that, I could become worried literally worried about uh, my own safety, you know. I mean, it seems like uh, gun violence is just epidemic. You know, maybe this existed when I was a teenager or a young kid. If it did, I didn't hear about it. But these days, they show you the graphic footage on the, on the evening news that really I don't think needs to be in my mind. Uh, yes, it's horrible. It's deplorable. And some of it, you know, it's shameful. But uh, if, you know, they always say you are what you eat. And if my brain is feasting on a continuous diet of this negative stuff, it's going to drag me down. It may cause me to lose some of the hope that I have for day-to-day -day living. So, you know, I, I dodge the news quite a bit. I get what I need. And uh, then I just don't let it keep playing in cycles. You know, one of our local news stations comes on with the evening news at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, replays at 4.30 and at 5 and at 5.30, and it's basically the same broadcast unless there's been some breaking news, and then it goes into the network evening news. Well, I could conceivably sit there for two and a half hours just just taking this negative stuff in, uh, and uh, you can't tell me that that doesn't affect me. It may not affect you. You you know, it may not bother you at all. Maybe you, your curiosity is such that uh, I can't believe what I saw at the 4 o'clock edition of this news. I'm going to watch it again at 4.30 to see if it happens again, and of course it does. And at the 5 o'clock edition, it happens again, and uh, so... I watch the segment of the news, get what I need to know, and click. I turn it off, go do something else, or watch something else. And this afternoon, I watched uh, the professional golfers out in Pebble Beach until even they got shut down due to weather. So that's why we're here. So I'm doing a podcast. I'm recording it. You're watching this video, perhaps. It could be on YouTube. It could be on my Facebook group. I don't know how long... Uh, of a video I can post on Facebook without them uh, uh, limiting me. Uh, but I'm going to record it anyway, and we'll just see where it goes. I may end up posting this on uh, on YouTube. And if I do, I will give you the link for that in the Facebook group. To my listeners on the podcast, thank you for listening again. I'm kind of running amok here talking about things that are relevant to fitness after age 60. And, uh, you know, more and more, I'm uh, in tune with fitness after 70 and fitness after 80. And I even have a couple of 90-year-olds that I'm working with. And, uh, you know, I'm often prone to say, I want to be like this person when I grow up. Uh, somebody who's 
85 years old and has a lot of pep in their step and and is still doing whatever they can to keep themselves healthy with regard to their physical fitness, uh, their strength, and their cardiovascular health. Um, they didn't get to be 85 by doing stupid things over and over again. They didn't get to be 85 by eating everything in sight and, and living on a, a high alcohol, high tobacco, uh, high sugar, uh, you know, high salt diet. They just didn't get to 85 by living that way. And so these are some folks that have, that I've gotten to know personally that by and large have done a really good job of taking care of themselves, including the care that they get medically. You know, doctors become increasingly important as we age. You know that. I know that. Some things go wrong with us that, that we can't fix with a couple of Tylenol and a day of rest. You know, I see my doctor probably twice a year, uh, get blood work done, because that's a good gauge of uh, a good method of finding out what's going wrong with my systems or what's going right with them. And fortunately, for about the last eight years, mine have all gotten better and better uh, as I've aged. You know, I've gotten more selective about what I eat. I've gotten really meticulous about how much I exercise and the types of exercise I do. It's really important to me that I get a couple of hours of cardio every single week. And if I get less than a couple of hours, uh, it shows up. It, it shows up on me. The next time I get ready to go for a jog or do an aerobics class, uh, you know, I don't have the stamina for it. So uh, I'm really into making sure that I get strength training usually three to five times a week, but it's not always the same exact format. Yes, I exercise with my classes. I consider that, I count that a privilege not to just lead exercise, but to do the same exercise that I'm teaching right along with my classes. And I'm glad that uh, the sale classes that I teach are formatted such that the instructor participant uh, angle is there for me. So I don't just teach the exercise. I exercise with the class. I get the cardio, I get the balance work, and I get the strength training, upper and lower body. And uh, those things I know are key to helping me stay uh, vibrant and relevant as I continue to age. Because continuing to age is part of the goal, but the big goal is to age and be healthy when I get there. Uh, I sometimes joke with people in my classes about uh, uh, how long we will be doing this together. You know, I'm 65 now, you know, and 65 is not an old person in, in my way of thinking, not anymore. When I was younger, 65 seemed ancient. Uh, 65 is not old to me anymore, but, uh, you know, I've got participants in the class that are 75 to 85 and I'm thinking, okay, well, if I'm still instructing these same people five years from now, I'll be a 70 year old man teaching exercise. And that sounds kind of weird, even to me, but if we're in shape, why not? If I can do the cardio, why not? If I can do the lifting and the balance work, why not? So I aspire 
to keep on instructing exercise classes for the next uh, five, six, ten years. Uh, it, it'll probably seem weird if I'm still doing it at, uh, at 80, but, you know, why not? Why not? What 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 is it? What's magical about age eighty that says when when I get to there, I got to go find me an easy chair and sit on my front porch and uh, read newspapers or old magazines or something. You know, I I don't have that ambition. I don't want to decelerate uh, in my life and my activities, and neither do I really want to accelerate and do things that are more daring, more physically challenging. I want to do things that help me maintain my physical health, my stamina, and all the things we talk about here on the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. Well, I want to move into some other things tonight before uh, before the podcast is over. This is probably going to be a short podcast because uh, this thing of uh, recording a video and a podcast at the same time, it's different. You know, I don't want to run this too long. Um, but anyway, as you the listener and now the viewer perhaps are thinking about your years ahead. I'm going to ask you outright, what is your plan for doing that? I mean, do you, do you think about this? Do you think about how you're going to get from your present age? And I don't care if that's 60, 65, 70, 75. If you're old enough to listen to this podcast and use your uh, iPhone or Android to tune into a podcast and listen. Uh, my question, my serious question for you tonight is, what is your plan to make sure that you stay as healthy as you possibly can um, from now until the good Lord says your time's up and it's time to reap your eternal reward? And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a valid question to ask ourselves because the truth is, all of us just want to feel at least okay. And some of us would like to feel better. Some of us would like to feel not so bad. And I, I've been at every entry point for that type of an assessment. But when I look at what I can do, what's accessible for me to do, uh, you know, what's realistic, uh, what am I going to do to make sure that the version of Gene at age 70 is as energetic, healthy, mentally agile as he is at age 65? So it seems to me at this point, the number one thing I need to do is keep on doing the things that I'm already doing that work. However, I know there are some people listening to the podcast or watching this video who are presently doing very little in the way of, first of all, thinking about five years down the road, and second, doing literal, tangible things to improve their quality of health, their strength, their stamina, their balance, their range of motion. Um, you know, they're just kind of going through the routine of being perhaps retired and doing stuff around the house, housework and cooking and cleaning and laundry and, and little yard work here and there, uh, you know, things like that, you know, uh, but really beyond that, 
um, the rest of the time is spent basically in sedentary activities like watching TV or doing um, hobbies or crafts that are basically in a seated position using only the hands. Um, is that wrong? No, it's not wrong to have a hobby. You know, um, I know some very creative people that create some beautiful works of art uh, with their crafting and such. And that's very stimulating. It requires a lot of attention to detail. Good for the brain. So I'm never going to judge somebody who uh, chooses to uh, work on their hobbies. But in addition to the hobbies, what are they doing that's going to keep their legs strong, keep their grip strong, uh, keep their lifting ability where it needs to be to sustain through the next five years? Just five years. We're not talking next 25 years, just the next five years. And maybe sometimes that needs to be chopped down a bit to the next one year. One year. What if we met one year from today? And so it, that would be February the 4th of 2024. And I ask you how this year has gone. And... And suppose I assess you uh, using a sale assessment to test your strength, your ability to stand up and sit down, your ability to run a small obstacle course, your ability to lift a five-pound dumbbell over and over again for 30 seconds. And what if I could assess you and find out uh, if you stayed about the same for a year or maybe you got a little stronger maybe a little faster, that that happens, a little more able to stand up and sit down over and over again. Uh, maybe you got a little faster, a little stronger, a little more uh, balanced. Um, but what if over the course of the year, you just didn't go downhill? I'll take that. I'll take that. If I'm 70 now, and when I'm 71, I'm just as strong as I was at age 70. Well, that's good. That's good. That means I maintained my strength and I maintained my balance and uh, I maintained my agility. I maintained my range of motion uh, for a whole year. So now let's kick that out to five years because we know aging. Uh, we haven't experienced it all yet, but we know aging. We know from our parents and from our grandparents and aunts and uncles and some of us, uh, our siblings that were older, and we got to personally watch the things they went through as they aged. And some of it was absolute horror stories. Now, I know that some things happen in this aging process that are accidents, they're infectious disease, um, they're organ failures. There, there are things that happen that nobody, not even your doctor, can see those coming, yet uh, they decrease our quality of life, and as they decrease our quality of life, they've decreased our abilities. Uh, just take, for instance, somebody that has been uh, deemed, deemed to need, perhaps, heart surgery. And it stands to reason if he has open heart surgery and has uh, bypass surgeries done, that he or she is going to be very limited in what 
they can do in the period following that surgery. Um, and it's going to take a while to build back to where they may have been before the surgery. And they may come back much better, much healthier, much stronger than they were before the surgery. But sometimes when we get sick, and, and I, I think this was true of my own mother, sometimes when we get sick, um, we kind of believe that we're going to need a long, long time to fully recover. And sometimes we don't anticipate uh, recovery. We don't, we don't expect that we're going to uh, get back to 95% or 100% of what we were before a surgery or an illness. And, you know, these are things to talk with your doctor about. Okay, doc, I hear you telling me I've got to have a surgery. How long is it going to take me to recover? And what can I do to improve the outcome of my rehab and recovery process? Um, you know, I'm very pleased to say that uh, in the course of doing um, these sale exercise classes, I've had some people that have had to have major, major surgeries, and I'm talking hips and knees, things like that. And, um, and when they finish their recovery from the surgery itself, in other words, just letting the wound heal and, uh, and allow the internal parts to begin to mend and heal, and then they go through rehab, they come back to sale after they've had these surgeries and, uh, and, and I think it's pretty amazing that, uh, you know, a year later, you'd never know that some of them had had a knee replacement. Um, they're more agile, they're, uh, they're stronger, they're, uh, and, and, and the one thing I really like about this is their attitudes about physical fitness are now better than they were before they had the surgery. Because sometimes before they had the surgery, they were living with chronic pain and doing ordinary things like housework or going shopping was next to impossible. But now that they've had the brand new knee installed and um, they've gone through that process of rehab, uh, now there's a new level of motivation to stay healthy because they got to personally experience the not being able to do, maybe before their surgery, surely immediately after their surgery, and until they were released from rehab. So now those individuals are really highly motivated to uh, take better care of themselves. So the question I'm asking you tonight uh, is, do you have a plan? Are you working on that plan? Are you using a five-second rule when you're thinking, today I really... I really need to at least get some kind of exercise, you know. I've got a stationary bike in there in the other room, and, you know, I, I really need to do that. Do you let that five seconds pass? Uh, what I'm encouraging you to do is when you think about what you probably should do today in the name of maintaining your health, your fitness, your body, when you realize you're in that window of asking yourself the question, what can I do today to help this body? What, 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 
What can I do today? When you're in that thinking window, it's going to come to you really quick. Well, I could go get on the stationary bike. I could go to the gym. I could go to an outdoor walking park. I could walk around my neighborhood. Uh, I've got a yoga mat in there in the spare room. Uh, I've got a set of dumbbells laying over here on the floor. They make great door stoppers. Uh, maybe I could pick them up and, and do some repetitions. And maybe I could start doing this three days a week. Um you know, maybe, but we know these are the ingredients. These are the Legos, the building blocks that we can stack together over time to help maintain our physical health and our mental health and our emotional health. You know, I've said a few times that eating well and exercising are some of the most selfish things you can do. The number one beneficiary, of course, is you. It, it's you. You're the number one beneficiary of taking care of yourself. But as, a, as an outreach from you taking care of yourself, others benefit uh, because you're still here. And they benefit because you're not rapidly declining and getting more and more disabled to where you require constant care. Um, so initially selfish, but the, benef the benefit of you staying healthy is, uh, is far-reaching. Let's take a guy who's uh, worked hard all his life, and now he's 65 or 70 years old. He's retired, and, and his goal these days is just to enjoy his retirement. And so he wants to go fishing about once a week, and uh, he wants to go to his place of worship where he is the lead singer in the choir. And he's a he's a lead tenor singer in his church choir, and he has the solo parts often. Well, let's say that he decides not to sit on his duff during his retirement now, and he can he starts exercising, maybe doing group fitness like I teach, maybe just going to the gym and working out the old-fashioned way, but he decides to start taking care of himself, and so he stays healthier. His immune system gets boosted. His, uh, his personal outlook about his health improves. Uh, he works with his doctors, takes prescribed medicines like he's supposed to. Uh, he's getting a, a physical at least once a year for uh, his general health. And let's just say that uh, he gets well and he stays well and he stays healthy. And so next Christmas, when it's his turn to do his solo, He's still in the church choir, so the choir and the church benefits from the fact that he's worked hard this year to keep himself healthy. What if the same guy is married, and he and his wife have now been married, uh, let's say, 47 years. That'd be pretty remarkable, right? 47 years they've been a couple, and they're a loving couple, and they get along really well. Let's suppose he takes care of himself, and he gets some exercise. He takes some uh, walks. He... Uh, lifts some weights, get some resistance training in the mix, and let's suppose that he doesn't decline uh, in his abilities and he doesn't get a disease or a sickness, an infection. We're talking, it could be COVID, could be flu, could be pneumonia, could be shingles, any of those things could happen. And he doesn't end up advancing type 2 diabetes to where uh, he gets more and more sick from that. And let's suppose that his wife doesn't have to now become his full-time caregiver. 
Sure, some years in the future, she may be relegated to the role of being uh, his caregiver. On the other side of that, uh, he may end up becoming her caregiver at some point. And so now he's physically able, mentally able, emotionally able to help take care of his beloved wife, and maybe they'll celebrate their 55th wedding anniversary. Who knows? But initially, taking care of yourself is a selfish thing. This five-second rule that I talked about right in the beginning of the podcast, five seconds, is not a long window of time, but it's that moment of time when you're thinking about something you ought to do for yourself. And during that five seconds, you're either going to decide, one, do it, or two, not to do it. And what if you started doing the things that were really good for you when you feel that impetus, that that, that sense of urgency within yourself that uh, I don't need to sit here all day. I need to do something to work this body of mine and keep it strong and moving just like the good Lord des- uh, designed it to. What if you started seizing the opportunity to do this exercise uh, when that five-second window is upon you so that you don't let it pass? And, you know, sometimes my wife and I kid a bit. She'll say something like, not today, sweet Jesus. I'm not going to be able to do that today. I'm not going to do that today. And uh, what if... We didn't take the easy out and just say, I don't feel like it. I'm not in a good frame of mind today. I'm I'm a little sore. Maybe I didn't sleep very well last night, and I just don't feel like getting up and doing anything. What if we don't allow that five-second window to slip by and then spend a day doing absolutely nothing? Not much at all. Not much at all. What if we got up at that point and decided to walk that mile or walk that second mile? Uh, what if we used that five-second window to say, well, I don't feel really great today, and I certainly don't feel like picking up dumbbells over and over again. Uh, maybe I'll go do just a 15-minute exercise session right there in the privacy of my bedroom or maybe in my garage. And uh, and maybe I'm going to work just about everything I can work in those 15 minutes. It's actually good for you. You, you know, we don't have to lift for hours. We're not 20-year-olds trying to get ready for a bodybuilding contest. Uh, we're seniors. And, uh, and strength training done on a regular basis does keep us strong. Hey, listen, this is running about 45 minutes now. I really didn't think it was going to be that long. The video is much longer than the uh, podcast, uh, about five minutes. But thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, I don't know if the video thing is going to be something I continue to do or not. But uh, nonetheless, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, this video is a is a product of the Pushing 60 Aside Uh, Facebook business page and the Papa G Fitness, Papa G's Fitness Facebook group. And, uh, you know, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you on the next edition. Well, I'm back on the podcast now. I turned off my, my video camera. 
and uh, so uh, this is all new to me it's just something we're going to try see how it works if it works all right we may do it again in the future uh, I'd like to thank our international listeners tonight uh, I know I've got folks in New Zealand and Australia and Great Britain that are the regular listeners and I'm especially fond of all you Canadians because uh, you're my neighbors in more than one way uh, thank you for listening and uh, and as far as Papa G's fitness goes, I'd like to uh, once again offer the invitation to those of you who listen to join this group. Now, this group is not heavy. Uh, it's not um, it's not uh, me trying to sell you anything. None of my products are uh, are products that are for sale. I don't sell T-shirts, ball caps, uh, exercise watches. I, you know nothing like that. I don't have corporate sponsors. I've chosen not to do that because, quite frankly, between me and you, I don't. I'm not a struggling fitness trainer who needs to feed his family by by going that route and i respect those that try to make a living in the fitness in industry and they have they're selling protein shakes and and everything else and fitness equipment you know good for them that's where they are i'm not there uh i'm a guy that got a second chance at life and i wanted to talk to others who are about my age maybe a little older maybe a little younger and ask important questions i want to give you food for thought you know about what you're doing and and how you're going to do it and and what are perhaps some solutions for you this I can tell you for sure you don't have to do fitness the way I do it um, sometimes people ask me well I want to buy a piece of uh, uh, fitness equipment I want to buy a stationary bike or a treadmill or an elliptical or a rowing machine uh, which one should I do and my answer is always the same you do the you buy the thing that you know for a fact already that you will do and so if you don't know whether or not you're going to really fall in love with that expensive uh, $2000 stationary bike uh, or that you know $1700 uh treadmill for your home uh go to a gym somewhere and try these things before uh before you buy you know, and find something that you know you'll stick with and something that you'll do, something that pumps you up, that you look forward to doing it three to five times a week, that is good for your cardiovascular fitness, uh, your range of motion, uh, the use of your as many muscles as possible. And if that's the thing for you, by all means, you know, buy that. But, uh, you know, I used to hate uh, stationary cycling and and spend a lot of time on a treadmill now it's exactly the reverse and uh, i've enhanced my stationary cycling by going in front of the big screen tv in our den and putting on ride-along videos that are on youtube where i can ride along with other cyclists with a uh, helmet cam a view of the countryside and i've i've toured spain uh, many parts of france norway uh, sweden uh virtually and so i'm on my bike just a pedaling away and and uh and getting to see beautiful waterfalls and rivers and fjords and mountains and uh, uh a grape orchard where in parts of france where they make wine and stuff you know it's just uh it's uh it's relaxing it's stimulating and it's still the exercise i need 
to keep my body clicking right along. Well, folks, that's it for tonight. Thank you for listening to the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. Um, last count, we've been heard in about 51 different countries, and that kind of blows me away. Uh, I still don't know why people want to listen to a guy my age talk about fitness and aging and and um, healthy eating and exercise. But, uh, you know, that's the nature of podcasts. You know, people are interested, they listen. And if they're really interested, they listen again and again. And I hope you do that. May the good Lord bless you. Thank you.